The following podcast contains explicit content and is not suitable for all listeners. Quote, the crime rate in the UAE for rape and sexual assaults is as low as 1.5 per every 100,000 women. When you compare the statistic to that of the USA, the crime rate for rape is 27 per 100,000 women in the USA. It is also realized that much stigma exists in instances of sexual crimes that often, due to pressures from family members, such crime also goes unreported, end quote. Punishment for sexual relations outside of marriage and the burden of proof relying on the victim are other reasons why women might not report sexual assaults to the police in the UAE. In 2008, an Australian woman was living and working in Fujairah in the United Arab Emirates when she was drugged and raped by three male co-workers. When proof of the rape could not be verified, she was then imprisoned, along with her rapists, for eight months for sexual relations outside of marriage, which is a law in the UAE, sparking worldwide outrage and criticism. This is the story of Alicia Galley. As with every episode, I do try my best to pronounce names and places correctly, even looking them up online, but if I do make a mistake, it is not intentional, and feel free to correct me. You can find me by messaging me on my Instagram at femicide underscore podcast. Alicia Galley was working as a beauty salon manager at the Le Meridian Al Aga Beach Resort in Fujairah, which is located in the UAE or the United Arab Emirates. The country of the UAE is made up of seven emirates, with Islam being its official religion and Arabic its official language. The current population of the UAE is estimated at 9.9 million with more than three-quarters of the population coming from expats, which, if you aren't familiar, just means persons outside of the UAE coming to live and work within the UAE. This is in large part to the country's meteoric economic growth within the last few decades. The population alone has increased over 5 million in the last 15 years. The UAE, as we know it, came into effect on December 2, 1971, after becoming independent from British rule. There is more to the UAE if you'd like more information, and I'll link some history for you to dig deeper into. I myself have been to Dubai. I went to Ring in the New Year in 2014. I found it very interesting and unique. The lifestyle there is unlike anything I have ever experienced with wealth just dripping from most everywhere you looked. There was a street that was even made of marble. 
I was staying with a friend and her family, so it was lovely because I was able to learn more about their culture, religion, and beliefs. Her father was originally from Jordan, but had been living in Dubai for many years. Personally, I was nervous about going just because I didn't want to accidentally offend anyone with what I said or wore or gifts that I brought, but thankfully I had no issues in that respect. While Dubai is more modern compared to the other Emirates, in the UAE, women are expected to dress more modestly and drinking drugs and premarital or extramarital sexual encounters are prohibited. For instance, expats have been deported for just kissing in public. The legal system in the UAE includes civil and criminal branches, as well as Sharia law, which is, quote, a body of religious law that forms part of the Islamic tradition, end quote. This branch of law in particular has a lot of negative connotations in Western culture, especially when it comes to women's rights and human rights issues. For instance, flogging and stoning are still legal forms of punishment, which is disturbing as a Westerner. But in particular, in the instance of women being raped, there are multiple cases of women reporting rapes that have occurred and instead being charged for alcohol consumption, public intoxication, extramarital affairs, or in the case of an 18-year-old from the Emirates, she was threatened with flogging or stoning, and so she dropped her case out of fear. Women charged have to serve one year for being the victim, and that part does just not make any sense. Also, a woman being drugged does not necessarily mean she was drinking alcohol. Any drink could be spiked. But as I've stated before in recent episodes, even if drunk, she did not deserve to be raped. I also think that punishing the women leads to more men thinking it's okay as they will get away with it and more women not reporting rapes for fear of being imprisoned. Again, I don't know enough about Sharia law or the UAE's practices. This is simply from my research, but as with anything, there are multiple facets and I know many of the traditional laws have been modernized, and I'm sure that will continue. Progress, unfortunately, does take time. I mean, just look at the overturning of Road versus Wade in the U.S. Fujairah is located on the eastern coast of the UAE on the Gulf of Oman, which is part of the Indian Ocean. Fujairah City is the capital city of the Emirate, with a population of 97,266 as of 2016, and is known as the main business and commercial area of the Emirate. The Le Meridian Alaga Beach Resort, where Alicia worked, is located about 68 kilometers or 42 miles north of the city center. False reports claim that her rape occurred in Dubai, but it did not. Dubai is located 117 kilometers or 72 miles away on the western coast of the UAE. I think perhaps Dubai is just more well-known or easier to say, but her particular incident did take place in Fujairah. While many of the details are a bit difficult to find, 
Some small details I could said that she was from Brisbane in Australia and that she was in her mid-20s at the time, around 25 from what I gather from other sources, and that she'd been employed through a U.S. employer named Starwood, who owned many hotels, including Sheridan and Le Meridian, among others. It has since been acquired by the Marriott International Group in 2016. Alicia was enticed to move to the UAE due to tax-free income and all her expenses, including living expenses, being paid for. That sounds like a jackpot to most, especially a 25-year-old young woman. I know I would have jumped on it too. For three months, her life in Fujairah was as you'd expect, working and pretty uneventful. I'm not sure if she was making friends and having fun, but she doesn't say anything to the contrary, so I assume she was enjoying her time there. That was until one night, when her apartment flooded. She called maintenance to report the issue, and they came to fix it. In the meantime, she went down to the staff bar to have a drink and do some work on her laptop. This was in an area reserved for employees only and not accessible to guests or outside people. Her decision to go down to the bar would ultimately lead to a life-altering string of events. I'd like to take this moment to thank you for listening to my podcast. Femicide has surpassed 13,700 downloads, and I cannot thank you enough for your support. If you haven't already, please leave a review. It helps so much in getting my podcast out to a wider audience. And I know I say that every episode, but a like, a share, a comment, it honestly means so much to me. It's not just a little thing. It helps to bring femicide into the algorithm and it spreads it to more people. And it really is the best feeling for a small podcast like mine. So please don't think hitting like doesn't matter. It does. The concept behind femicide is very close to my heart, and I hope through these stories we can shed a light on the abuse, violence, and sexual assault that women face daily. I researched, wrote, recorded, and edited this episode myself. To help support me and my efforts, I have started a Patreon account. And if you aren't familiar with Patreon, it is a membership-based platform designed to allow fans to support and connect with their favorite creators. For just $5 per month, you'll have access to one additional bonus episode every month. Sign up today online at patreon.com or via the Patreon app. And I'll leave a link in the show notes of this episode. As always, I will be donating 10% of all gifts received and memberships each month to various charities that help support women. The charity I'll be donating to for the month of December 2022 is the Toronto Rape Crisis Center slash Multicultural Women Against Rape, or TRCC slash MWAR. Quote, It is a grassroots women and non-binary people run collective. We work towards a violence-free world by providing anti-oppressive feminist peer support to survivors of gender-based or sexualized violence. We engage in public education, activism, and provide direct individual and group support to survivors and their supporters, end quote. 
And please don't forget to share with your friends and families because word of mouth is the best review of all. Alicia was sitting at the staff-only bar, sipping her drink, and what I... <clears throat> Alicia was sitting at the staff-only bar, sipping her drink, and what I gather, this was her first drink, when suddenly she woke up in her bed at 4.30 p.m. the next day. In her own words, she stated, quote, I remember drinking the drink. I don't even remember finishing the drink. Next thing I know, I wake up at 4.30 in the afternoon the next day. The door to my apartment was ajar. I was completely naked, with just my bra hanging off my shoulder. I woke up in pain, I'd broken ribs, and a lot of bruising to my body, end quote. She reported the rape to her management and wanted to report the rape and go to hospital. She was never informed of the laws in the UAE and the differences that exist or the likelihood of her arrest. She says she was only informed, quote, to reconsider her need to be in the country, end quote, after contacting the Australian embassy, but again, was not explicitly told the laws. Eventually, the pain became too much, and Alicia went to the hospital, opting to go to the police station afterwards on advice from the hospital staff. Now, I don't know if a rape kit was done, if that's a thing that's done in the UAE, if the staff really wanted to help or were just getting her to go confess to illicit activity. That's a bit unclear. I feel, though, that she was done a large disservice by her management, by the hospital, and by the police. She is clearly a Western woman who doesn't know the laws. I also see a lot of references to the new Middle East and that drinking in places like Dubai and in this instance Fujairah are tolerated because it's more westernized. It was also depicted in the Sex and the City 2 movie to Abu Dhabi. But in my experience, other than at the hotel on New Year's Eve, alcohol was not something openly available for consumption. Obviously, everyone has different experiences, and I'm sure that being at hotels and tourist areas would be different, but I just want to express that I did have a different experience in Dubai. I also covered up a bit more. Although not exactly necessary, even at the beach, men would sit and stare at you if you were showing more skin, and I felt uncomfortable being in tank tops or shorts due to the stares. Now, many other women around me did not care and carried on with their lives as normal, but I felt uncomfortable with that amount of attention. But I think it's important to know these differences are there and that if you travel to these places, to be aware and prepared. In Sex and the City 2, Samantha is arrested but let go for making out with the man after offending a Muslim man at dinner. Miranda makes reference to the fact that she was lucky she wasn't jailed, but the whole thing and her subsequent condom scene are laughed at and made to be a statement about American freedom versus female oppression in the UAE, but never is the seriousness of what Samantha did actually explained. It's made more like a joke, when in actuality, she likely would have been jailed. And although it sickens me, the reality is that many people worldwide 
have the thought process of, well, if she dressed in a certain way, she deserved it. And if she drank, she deserved it. And unfortunately, there will be men that use that to their advantage, especially in a country where alcohol consumption is a punishable offense. And rape victims are punished for having non-marital sex. It was discovered that the flooding in Alicia's room was due to a men's shirt and a plastic bag being shoved into her drain. So clearly, her rape was planned. Her drink was spiked, she was taken back to her room, and raped. Three men were accused and also jailed for having sex outside of marriage, but not for her rape, as they said it was consensual, and were released at the same time she was. Now, something that bothers me here, she only had one drink. How long did maintenance take to sort out the flood in her room? She was brought back there. And who spiked her drink? The bartender? Who exactly were these three co-workers? Hotel employees, obviously. But did they work in the beauty salon, the bar, the maintenance department? I feel like multiple men were in on it from multiple areas of the hotel and it was premeditated. So who else did they target? How many other women didn't report it? Was management in on it? They didn't seem too upset for Alicia or to have her best interests at heart. It just makes me wonder, could there have been more people involved? Could it have been a sort of operation? Or was it simply three guys feeling untouchable and like Alicia was asking for it? I don't know, obviously, but this story doesn't sit right with me, and these are just some of the thoughts that crossed my head. Ultimately, Alicia was jailed for one year for, quote, sex without marriage, damaging honor, promoting sin, and drinking alcohol, end quote. In the UAE, rape is only proven when four Muslim men witness it and attest to the rape happening in court which would be an extremely hard set of circumstances to have happen, unless a woman was raped in public. Of course, the accused could confess, but that seems even less likely when they know they will only get a maximum of one year for sex outside of marriage. Would her sentence have been less if alcohol was not involved? Would her rapists have been less too? That's a genuine question, as I don't know but it all just makes me sad for Alicia and for every other woman who's been raped in the UAE and any other countries with similar views or laws. Alicia was eventually released after eight months in March of 2009. A report states that her release was due to celebrations for the Sheikh's son's wedding, not because she didn't deserve to be in prison. Her rapists were also released as a result. Alicia has publicly condemned the conditions of the prison during her time there, stating how filthy and unsanitary the prison was. She claimed water would be shut off for up to four days at a time, in desert heat, that prisoners were beaten regularly, day and night, and that she was in a cell with 30 other women. Her mother stating she was afraid Alicia would die in the prison due to the conditions. Upon her release, Alicia sued Starwood, claiming they did not inform her properly of the laws in the UAE 
and that they didn't properly compensate her while in the UAE or her growing medical bills as a result of her experience. She also sued the Australian government as she had contacted the embassy while in Fujairah and wasn't properly informed by them either. I don't know the outcome of these legal proceedings. Unfortunately, I just couldn't find that information. So if you know, please send me a message on my Instagram at femicide underscore podcast. Her legal team stated, quote, Over the past few months, further information has come to light about what embassy staff did and did not do. The embassy's deficient advice led to Miss Galley spending a hellish eight months in prison. She should have been told as a bare minimum of the local laws that apply in the UAE. End quote. I also read that the Australian government asked Alicia's family not to publicize her case while she was imprisoned. Now, was that true? Was it for her safety? Or did the government just not want backlash? I feel like if I was imprisoned in a foreign country for something not my fault, my government should be fighting to get me out. But again, I don't know all the ins and outs. It just seems wrong. Alicia continues to suffer from PTSD and at the time of the interview in 2011 was unable to work and was living with her mother in an effort to pay for her treatments. As I can't find any recent updates beyond 2013, I just hope she has come through the other side of her ordeal and found some peace. I'm so proud of her for speaking up and sharing her story helping to give others support, and letting them know they aren't alone. I know her story has helped others by spreading awareness and highlighting an important women's rights issue. Thank you for listening to the story of Alicia Galley. I'm your host, Sean Marie. Join me next time for another story.